Hey everyone, welcome back to another week of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg. My co-host today again is John. How you doing today, John? Uh, I'm. My face feels like it's going to explode. Uh, so, if anybody hears sniffling during the podcast, it's me. And I, I apologize. I, I love this because normally John is super tired from work. Yet last week he said he was good. That was nice. That was a nice change of pace. Yeah. But uh, now this week it's not work related necessarily. But John has very bad allergies, and so it's yeah. that time of the year where apparently pollen is a thing. I don't know. Um, yes, do, do that you ever, thing that is destroying my face. Do, do you ever curse the heavens with why as to why God blessed you or damned you with such a feeble body? Uh. Well, I mean, while, <laughs> while I was driving my uh, while I was driving my postal truck today and sneezing six times in a row as I tried to stay on the fucking road, I was just like, "God damn it, stop!" <laughs> nice, nice. That's uh, that's, I also that's one minute in, John dropping, <laughs> John sorry. dropping the first f bomb of the day. Uh, one minute um, in. Sorry. No, um, you're fine. Go ahead. The, We're all the adults worst here. thing about allergies, though, is when you're when you have really bad allergies. And you sneeze like six or seven or ten times in a row, and somebody after everyone is like, "God bless you, God bless you, God bless you." It's like, stop it! You stop it right now! <laughs> like, just shut up! To... Just shut up! <laughs> like, I'm not enjoying what is going on right now, and you're not helping in any way. <laughs> That's one thing I always do to Jenny is she'll sneeze sometimes three times in a row. So she'll do one, I'll say bless you. She'll do two, I'll say bless you. Then and then she'll do the third one. I'm like, now you're just looking for attention. Now you just want attention. <laughs> yeah <laughs> obviously not my my go-to when people are sneezing uh i don't do this to my kid because she doesn't understand it um but tell uh just be like knock it off just just stop <laughs> yeah you're gonna give her a complex <laughs> if you did it to her like because no, really like sneezing is not not something that you're you're probably enjoying and so so yeah i, I feel like telling somebody to knock it off she's like yeah, I'm be honest. Now I can understand why you wouldn't like it so much, but I love like there's something about the feeling of a sneeze. I love it. Like if I if I get a sneeze coming and it doesn't <laughs> sneeze, I get really mad. I'm like, no, I was robbed of the refreshing. Like, f- I, I love sneezing. I, it sounds really stupid. Like I, I I think most people would. It's just not something you normally think about. But I I would. You have say, a very like, you have a very specific browser history. <laughs> yes. Uh, but also, before I lose it, I want to say, too, and I'm glad you don't say it to your daughter because I, I I pictured her at, like, in her 30s, you know, trying to get, you know, in the crazy world we live in. She's trying to be in a relationship, and she's she's having dinner with, with someone, and all of a sudden she sneezes, and she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> all because you kept saying, knock it off every time she sneezed. So I'm glad I'm glad you don't do that. You're a good dad, though, John. You're, that's what I, I like. I try to. I try not to give my kid a complex. Well, I applaud that. Just don't try too hard because somehow you'll – I think you're going to give them a complex no matter what, right? Isn't that the trick to parenting uh, is that you're going to give them a complex? You might as well <laughs> – I mean, like, it, if you try so hard not to give them a complex, you give them a complex anyway. So just pick the complex you want to give them. I, I feel like – I mean, she's four now, four and a half, and uh, she's not ter- like not really, really scared of anything yet. So I feel like that's a personal win because I feel like I was terrified of like certain like characters from movies and TV and and like stuff like that. So I feel like I've done a pretty good job of like not watching like things that would be terrifying around my kid. Oh sure, not not that she's seen it and she's not scared. You've just done a good job of not exposing her to it. 
Yeah. Oh, sure. Uh, uh, like, and I, I think there there have been a couple games where she's like, she said like, oh, that thing's scary. But like, it's not something that she's like gone on to like, be like, I'm afraid of that thing. Like, it's kind of sure. like if you, if, if she said it, it's like, all right, I'm just going to not play this around her. Nice. And, like, I also don't, like, we don't really talk about like dying because it's awkward. Mm. <laughs> but Fair like enough. when when she asks <clears throat> about like oh what happened to that character I just I just be like oh they're just I'm just not playing them now. Oh, oh <laughs> like, no. Kind of just avoid <clears throat> the subject and because I, I I had I this is getting to a weird spot in place but uh, I had uh, I talked to my my daughter about my dad. And she's like, oh, where is your dad? And I was like, well, he died. And then I had to have that weird, like, existential conversation with her. And I was like, we'll, we'll just save this for later. Yeah. So now I just... You got a I couple just... years on that one, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so uh, let me tell you how my day is going so far. Just a quick... Uh, I'll, I'll explain to you. I'm already half into my first beer. I came home, dude, and I just poured myself a beer. I don't even care. I, I'm, I'm to you, that point. I didn't even know you drank. <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah, I dabble. Um, <laughs> but like, I'm just in, man. I, I, I don't know what's going on with people. I don't know what is going on. You know, and, and I talked about this last week how we're busy, you know, and I was stressed out, and then people are always like, "But that's a good thing." Like, yes, it's a good thing, but pe- people are like a little nastier. They're a little sharper. <clears throat> Excuse me, and uh, like, it's just like I. I hate to say it's like some of the days when I go to work, it's just not fun. And like, I'm, I'm blessed to have a job where I get to have fun like 99% of the time. So again, no shiny tears for me, but like, man, it's just not been fun lately. It's really disappointing. Uh, and so like, I'm not used to that, you know, like it's just every day is, is daunting. Not that it's not rewarding. Like I get through it and I'm like, Hey, that was a hell of a day. Um, but man, it's just exhausting. So yeah, like I'm already, I'm already a beer in. I've had it with this. <laughs> What is what is your beer of choice? I'm I'm a spotted cow man. Okay, it's like my favorite beer, <laughs> best beer of all time. Um, I uh, so when when a big trade comes in, do you get excited by that? Like by like the idea of what will be in that person's tote or whatever? Because that's one thing that always like made me excited about GameStop. Uh yes. I, I, I do feel that way. Uh obviously if someone brings in a big stack of like Xbox 360 games, not so much. Like it's hard for me to get yeah, excited just, about that. But if someone brought fresh. in like a box of NES games or I'm really like if it was a box of like Sega Genesis games in the case, like that's exciting to me because I'm like flipping through like, ooh, what's the next one? What's the next one? So there is definitely some of that. Um but it, like yeah 50 50 i would say but i still do like it because i do like going through trades it's just like if someone comes in with either a a pampers diaper box or a literal garbage (laughs) bag and they come up and they're like yeah i got some games to sell you're like "Mm, hard to get excited about the pampers (laughs) diaper box doesn't contain dirty diapers when you buy them you know not that you know of john and Not most that you know people of. don't throw the dirty ones back into the box they came from. You don't know that. <laughs> you don't they know throw them that. In the parking lot <laughs> next to your yeah. car. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> they, they throw them. Because uh, what was that? Dave told us. Dave told me a story about that. It was like a week or two ago that there was like a, a, a family and they were shopping at the store next to ours. 
and okay. they like changed a kid and then the dirty diaper fell into the street like on the sidewalk right in front of our store and that nice. like dave saw it and it was really bothering him for some reason so like when they were getting in and out like they were getting ready to pack up and he actually like opened the door and was like oh hey i think you guys dropped something by your car there <laughs> and so then they they like picked it up and took it away which was really nice because i was not expecting that i mean we have garbage cans outside the store i mean they could have thrown it in there i mean you know <laughs> whatever i just you know like, i'm, what, I'm what proud hell? to say we were me and nicole have never been that parent <laughs> Mm, I wonder. I don't know. I don't know. You seem like the type that would leave a dirty diapy in like a Shopco bathroom. No. <laughs> uh, well, there's trash cans. There's, there's trash cans. You'd leave that. it. You'd leave it open on the changing table. I think that's that's what you would do. No, I'm just kidding. You're really responsible, and you 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 think of other people, so you would never do that. So I, I won't joke about that. Um. So I I I have a random thing that I kind of wanted to pose to uh, listeners. Excellent. Uh, so, uh, I have what I think is kind of a, a uh, fun story about how Red Dead Redemption 2 almost got me fired from GameStop. And I wanted to tell the story on the podcast for a while. And Greg is just like, no, it's it, this podcast is all about me. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, literally, and, I say it to you every so, week. Yep. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, like, right. It's me show. <laughs> You were the sidekick. <laughs> Be quiet. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if listeners want to hear about my story about how the uh, the GameStop reveal event of Red Dead Redemption Two almost got me fired. Let's. Uh, so let why, let Greg know. <laughs> yeah, why don't we just plan for it for next week, dude? Tell the story. Like, I'll, I'll I won't have a rant next week. I don't even have a rant really this week. I was just okay. talking about the beer I'm drinking, but yeah, why don't we just plan for that next week? We'll have, we'll have story time with John. I would actually like to do that. You know, I think I, I, I wonder if this podcast eventually is going to evolve or devolve, depending on how you look at it into, instead of having like a news story, like we're going to talk, like I usually talk, cause I usually talk about like two or three news stories a week. Now we talk about one. I wonder if one day we're just going to be like, nah, we're going to do cover to cover. We'll do like a GameStop customer horror story. We'll do a terrible, like, like eventually it'll just be like a podcast of us talking about things. <laughs> and there'll be like, no, no important stories or news or anything. It'll be great. Right. Um, but let's plan for um, it next week. You can have the rant. You can have Greg's rant time and we can share like about, some GameStop stories. How about we do like awful conference stories? Sure, like, I get, or, I could probably come up with a couple things that happened at GameStop. Yeah, conference. we will do that instead of a, instead of a story next week. Unless something groundbreaking comes up, instead of a story next week, we'll just talk about like conference stories. So for anyone who doesn't know, GameStop Manager Conference is basically was like a mini E3 for GameStop store managers. It was pretty cool. It was a great time. It was like that, like you could be treated like crap all year round, <laughs> and then you got to go to E3. You know, your GameStop E3. You got to go to the manager conference and that like made up for it because you got a whole bunch of free stuff and it was great. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that next week. I think it'll be fun. And, and some sometimes dumb things happen at conference. Uh, and and my yes. conference story. So just to let let people know and remind Greg that he he might have to queue up some video for it. Um, the the thing that got me in trouble with Red Dead ended up making it into YouTuber videos. <laughs> So, yes, it's amazing. So we'll have to we'll have to pull up some of those videos because uh, I it's pretty funny to hear 
random YouTubers that I've never listened to read my words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like treat it like you're some insider or something is amazing. Yeah, that was yeah, super great. Weird. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> That's a great story though. We'll we'll do that because you got you did All tell right. us the story about your uh your M3 and that car that got confiscated or whatever. Did you ever tell that story? I know you told the story about uh, like your BMW. We, you know, maybe one time you have to tell us the story about your uh, uh, your R thirty two R thirty two getting towed or whatever. Oh yeah, <laughs> yep, yep, getting towed and getting then in, impounded, and definitely on hold. Yeah, yeah, and then you hiring like the slickest lawyer in Brown County. <laughs> you know, I didn't even hire him. He did that for free because he is just a like he's a family friend from my from like everything that happened with my dad and he just i i called him up and he's like oh, i'll take care of it that's, a, that's <laughs> he, great he, it took him like five minutes and he got got it back i invited that guy to my wedding like i he he means a lot to me i like that look like people say scummy things about lawyers bruce bockyber is a wonderful man he's one of the good ones all right yes was that your yeah i was at your wedding i remember <laughs> yeah i remember that <laughs> I don't know why, but it like like him being at my wedding was one of those moments where it like like it meant a lot to me, and I was like, I was like, oh, he's here. Like, Interesting. <laughs> it's bizarre. I don't know. Yeah, I remember like, sitting. I, yeah, I, I actually, I might even right in my desk here. I might have. You had that photo booth, and I took some pictures with me and Gibson. Took some pictures together. Me and Dorn, James Dorn, took some <laughs> nice. pictures together. Yeah, we got some great ones, man. Me and Mark. That was a that was like when I finally was about at the weight I'm at now. So like okay. I didn't like those were some of the first times I was taking pictures and didn't feel like just a mega super fat ass. <laughs> so it's nice. <laughs> Actually, I remember I remember why it meant a lot to me to that he was at my wedding. So like I in the two and a half years that I was just my incredibly stupidest of my entire life, mm-hmm. like he was there to pull my butt out of the fire. He was your fixer. Like, yeah. And, and like, without his assistance, my life would have been probably potentially a lot worse. Mm. So I think that's why, like, it, it took years for me to realize, like, that he was he was there for me. So, yeah, I liked him. Well, nice. Dude, that's, that's a very touching story. That's very uh, very self-aware of you. Um, so uh, besides uh, being tired and, and your face being all puffy, like like 10,000 bees stung you in the face. What, uh, what have you been playing lately, man? What's keeping you busy these days? Um, I, I've been just playing a bunch of random, uh, stuff off game pass and I downloaded a game called, I think it's called undermine. That um, sounds familiar. Yeah. It's a, it's a 16 bit looking, uh, game. It's very similar to like, the mine segments of Stardew Valley combined with like, uh, what's that devolver bullet game? Uh, enter the gungeon. Oh yeah. And, yep. 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 Uh, good game too. Enter the gungeon and what the hell else? Um, uh, binding of Isaac. So it reminds it like kind of feels like a combination of all of those things. Um, so it's it's a roguelike. So you go down in the mine and you're you're battling enemies and stuff, and you gain money, and then you come back up, and uh, if after you die, and you you use it to buy permanent upgrades. But it just the the visual, like the character designs and the aesthetic of it are really really well done, and it's really satisfying. And like I love Enter the Gungeon's concept, and I love its humor, 
but I'm not great at it at all. Like, I've just never been good at Enter the Gungeon, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And this game is a game I feel like I'm actually making progress in. Um, so yeah, I really like it so far. I'm I'm really glad it, it hit Game Pass, and I probably will play a lot more of it. I also, I picked up uh, Chasm as well, uh, which is basically uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night roguelike. Um, oh, okay. It's a little stiff at first. Uh, like, the, the weapons I've got so far aren't very satisfying. Um, but but it very much feels like a Castlevania game, which I like. Nice. Uh, what are you playing right now? So I finally have been committing the time that is deserved <clears throat> to Ghosts of Tsushima. <clears throat> so I had been okay. playing it for a while, and then I took a break for, like, two weeks. Because I just, like, that game needs time. It's just like The Witcher 3 in the sense that there's so many side missions to do and everything you do like is important. Everything you do is part of an important story. Like there's no throwaway quests, like kill 10 rats, you know, like everything is like, it makes, it works and it's really good. Uh, and the combat's fantastic. So I finally started playing that again. I think I got like probably 12 to 16 hours in this week, uh, over the weekend in this week. And, uh, it's fantastic. Like I almost played it so much though, that, I almost was burning out on it because I'm just going through the side missions, just doing them to do them. And you start to, yeah, like notice how repetitive some of them are. So they probably could have cut some of those out, but I'm going to try to platinum the game. I just need to get everything basically to platinum. It's a fairly easy platinum to get. And, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I love it. It's fantastic. And it's, they kept all of the, like, like some of the missions will say something like, Oh, this person was killed by like a spirit. And, like, your character just goes, yeah, spirit or is it a bandit? It's probably a bandit pretending to be a spirit. And so, like, you go there and it's it's very grounded in reality, which I like. Okay. Um, and then they uh, – so the game's fantastic, though. I'm really loving it. I'm in the second island and I think there's a tiny top of the map, which is, like, the final area. But if I had to guess, I'd say I'm probably 60% done with the game right now, 60, 65. And so I got to put some more time to that. I want to finish that up and then – I don't know. I, I think there's a couple games coming out that I want to rock until Cyberpunk and then Cyberpunk and the World of Warcraft expansion, whenever that come out, are going to take over. But um, Tsushima is so good. And like I got to this part yesterday where I started doing these missions for this old lady, and she used to be like the one who raised you, and like you go back to your old homestead. And I'm like, man, this stuff was really touching stuff, and it was really well done, and it was like really sad, you know? And I'm like, man, this is great. Um, so the game's fantastic, and it hits all the story notes for me, and it's just again just a beautiful game like you ro- you roll over a hill and you look down into a valley of like red flowers and like trees with red leaves that are blowing and whip- I'm like it's just a gorgeous game like whoever the art director was on that like man they had a vision and they they pushed and they realized that vision like 100% and then uh, just a couple days ago they released a trailer for the co-op multiplayer mode that's coming totally free just in the fall they're going to add a four player co-op mode which is really funny cuz that adds all of the non-realistic stuff so that like that almost looks like you go to like the demon realm and fight a bunch of demons and all this other stuff so okay yeah and there's supposed to be raids they said yeah yeah like uh, there's a raid and then there's like different classes that have different strengths i'm like it's i'm all in like and that's just free if you own the game (laughs) here you go free expansion and and uh sucker punch has always done gotten a little weird with their expansions like infamous 2 had the festival of blood expansion which was like what if the whole city turned into vampires or whatever and you're like oh that's cool you know so they always get a little weird with it but uh yeah 
really good. Ghost of Tsushima is like just top top tier. That's probably my game of the year so far this year. I mean, technically, I got to throw Animal Crossing in there because that was a great experience. Plus, you got Final Fantasy VII remake, which was also excellent. But this game, I don't know. It just hits all the notes for me, man. It's just Japanese open world combat, super tight. All good. Is uh, is Tsushima a game that Jen is finding to be interesting at all or interested in? Yes, but the problem is I'm playing it in Japanese language with English subtitles. So if she's not fully paying attention, she doesn't know what's going on. So it really sucks because normally if I play a game, she can be kind of half listening in the background and she still picks up the story. But in this game, all she hears is Japanese unless she reads the subtitles. So, Which I've been thinking about switching to English language because – the the voice actor for the main character is the same person in Japanese and English, which is really? really neat, really neat touch. Uh, but I know that the other characters wouldn't be. And so there's something really okay. authentic to me about it being, um, you know, Japanese language with the subtitles and it works very well. Like, like the, the I, it's just excellent. Like the voice acting is fantastic. I mean, for the most part, there's a few, you know, stupid things, but I, I agree in, like I played a little bit of it and I turned on the Japanese language. The only thing I find weird is that they did not do any lip lip syncing to the Japanese dialogue track. And so it's super like glaring and, and jarring to me a little bit to see their, their voices not match the lip yeah. movements. Yeah. I've noticed that too. And I don't know if that's a technique because horizons the same way, even with English language Hmm. Uh, voice acting like the words don't even come close you know so but it's like whatever i mean i don't excuse me i don't really care but uh but yeah it's like something that like some games do it really well and some games like don't even try (laughs) it's just it's weird to me you know it must cost just a unbelievable amount to do that (laughs) um all right so with that being said, though, we do have our pickup piles of the week. We have our games of the week set aside. But before that, we've got an interesting story. So, John, I'm going to queue up the story, and then we're going to talk about it. And uh, and then we're going to move on, and we're, and we're going to be done for the week, and that's already it. So um, let me queue up the story, and we'll get going. All right, here we go. So first up on the podcast today, we're going to be talking about this. The story started last week, um, but it's no pun intended, the epic battle between Epic Games and Apple. And so I found on this on MacRumors.com, they had a really neat kind of timeline breakdown of this. So we're going to go through this. But ultimately what happened was what, what when we kind of locked into the story for the most part, the average, the average person, was that the news was that Apple had removed Fortnite from the store. And, and that, that's, a, that's a big deal. I mean, Fortnite's got to be their number one money-making, you know, item on the store, I would assume. Um, if not, it's, it's way up there. And, you know, obviously Epic is a huge company. <clears throat> they both make a lot of money with this. And so why all of a sudden would a game just be removed from the store? <clears throat> Excuse me. So, however, there's a little more to it like usual. And so what I want to do here is I want to break down everything a bit. And then John, I'm going to pose the question to you. But I'm going to go through some of the details first, and then I'll, I'll kind of toss it to you with a question. But let's get some of the details first. So Mac Rumors has the first time, the first piece of this puzzle, the timeline. They started on June 16th. Okay, so this is actually a few months ago, where uh, Tim Sweeney, the CEO of Epic Games, tells the Washington Post that the iOS app store's monopoly protects only Apple profit, not device security. And he quote teats the Washington Post story, 
<clears throat> and says, here Apple speaks of a level playing field. To me, this means all iOS developers are free to process payments directly. All users are free to install software from any source. In this endeavor, Epic won't seek nor accept a special deal just for ourselves. So it's almost like they were basically laying the groundwork. <clears throat> and then June 23rd, Sweeney goes on to say, opening iOS and Android up to truly open platforms with a genuinely level playing field between first-party and third-party apps and stores is the only way to ensure a competitive, healthy, and fair app economy. <clears throat> now, that's interesting because that actually cues up one of my main points about this story, which is that all of this is to pave the way for Epic to put the Epic Game Store on iOS. <laughs> that's really what I think this is all about. So that goes on then. So then a month goes by. July 24th, so this is about a month ago, Sweeney tells CNBC that the App Store is an absolute monopoly, arguing that Apple has locked down and crippled the ecosystem by inventing an absolute monopoly on the distribution of software and on the monetization of software. July 28th, Sweeney tweets out, It pains me to complain about Apple in this way. Apple is one of the greatest companies that has ever existed, perhaps the greatest, but they're fundamentally wrong in blocking competition and choice on devices they make, and that holds up entire fields of technological process. So then we fast forward to August 1st. He's just, apparently Sweeney's been like queuing this up for months. He tweets out again, Apple's intentional anti-competitive strategy has been running for much longer than most realize. Here they are in 2011, muscling Kindle purchases off of iPhone by demanding 30% of ebook revenue, which we acknowledge is prohibitive for many things. So here's where it gets good. So that's kind of the groundwork. <clears throat> and then here's where the big deal starts. August 13th, Epic Games updates and introduces a direct payment option in the Fortnite app for iPhone and iPad, allowing players to purchase in-game V-Bucks at a 20% discount by sidestepping Apple's in-app purchase mechanism. This functionality violates Apple's App Store review guidelines, which indicate that apps offering in-game currency must use Apple's in-app purchase mechanism only. So basically, they put a link in the game that says, look, if you click this, you can buy money directly from us. You can buy V-Bucks from us. You don't have to buy them from Apple or through the Apple Store. And if you do that, we'll give you a 20% discount. <laughs> so they don't get a discount <clears throat> if they go through Apple. They only get a discount if they skirt around the rules uh and so then uh later the direct payment option is also added to the fortnite app on android which is also in violation of google plays store rules epic games describes apple and google's 30 percent cut on in-app purchases as exorbitant exorbitant excuse me <clears throat> epic also notes that apps that offer real life goods and services like uber doordash and stubhub are not required to use apple's in-app purchase mechanism a rule that it believes should apply to all developers. And that's true. So like if you order Starbucks or McDonald's or DoorDash, the those companies don't have to pay 30% of what you bought to Apple. They didn't they didn't do that. Like they that was basically an exception they made. Yeah, well, and the same thing with uh like Patreon and um like Amazon. But Amazon app on on iOS and Android isn't charging you extra because you're buying things through the app. So I, I see where he's coming from because there's, there's all sorts of, of apps that do their own credit card processing outside of Apple's uh, ecosystem. 
that they're not slapping down and kicking off their service. Right. There's like specific things that they've allowed to be okay. One of them is physical goods and services. Like same thing with eBay too. Like when I buy something on eBay through the app on my iOS device, I don't pay like that. None of that money goes to Apple for that purchase basically. And and that's basically what the rule they decided was physical products and goods are, are exempt from that rule. So then of which course, is, oh, yep. Which, which is weird though, because how is Apple making any money off of Amazon's app and off of eBay's app and all sorts of other things? Like, is it just because they're collecting the data? Well, that makes it acceptable. Sure. But also they want people in their ecosystem. So they're going to allow apps like that because they want people not to, not to get an iOS device and then say, well, we can't use Uber Eats. We can't use DoorDash because we have an iOS. Like those are selling points for certain people. So they they want to offer certain things for free. And if they make enough money in, you know, in the, in the store off of the software side of things, you know, I think that is good enough for them, you know? Um, so then that same day, of course, here's the big news. Apple removes Fortnite from the app store. In a statement shared with Mac rumors, the company said that, quote, Epic Games took the unfortunate step of violating the App Store guidelines that are applied equally to every developer and designed to keep the store safe for our users, end quote. And then there is a full statement, which I won't read the whole thing. But um, basically, what's what's funny is they took it off the store so that no one else could download it. But if you already have it downloaded, you can still play. And in fact, you can still buy like it's still updated so you can still buy the discounted V-Bucks outside of the Apple ecosystem but you just can't download it again even if you've had it before apparently you can't re-download it it's gone the rumor is that 2 weeks from now when the next season starts that that will break the game for iOS customers and then they will be locked out of the game yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. That that I mean that would uh, make but, sense to me, sure. So Android also kicked them off of their their service, but uh, when when Fortnite first hit Android, you had to sideload it off of a different like off of a website, uh, and then it finally got put into Google's store, and basically right. now you just have to do that again. You have to go to Epic's own downloader download yeah. the game and then and then it'll work so so google kicked it off the the store but they didn't lock it out of functioning on the phone or being able to be gotten through right. a third party which epic also has an issue with so for anyone who doesn't know basically on 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 android devices you can sideload anything and it's not technically against the terms of service all they do is they have a few messages that pop up saying things like, are you sure you want to do this? This is an unauthorized app. It could ruin your, it could be a hacker. It could be malware, yada, 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 which everything you do, even Chrome warns you about that. If it's like, oh, this isn't a frequently downloaded file. Are you sure you want to run this EXE? Blah, blah, blah. So yeah, like I Kindle, for instance, doesn't allow you to have uh, uh, YouTube on it. So, but you can, you can sideload YouTube and get it onto your Kindle. Yeah, and Epic's problem with that is they feel like the average consumer either A, won't go through the effort 
or they'll go through the effort but then be scared off when they see all the messages saying it's possible that it's malware and all this other stuff. So so they have a problem with that too. But you're right. Originally, it was not allowed. Like originally, Epic was like, we're not paying the 30% to Google. So we'll just ha- let everyone sideload it and we're happy with that. Clearly, they weren't happy with that. They saw how crappy the numbers were not being <laughs> on the official Play Store and eventually they bit the bullet and they did it. And that was like two years ago or something. So now the same day that it gets kicked off the store, almost as if they were expecting this, John, (laughs) if you can't pick up on my sarcasm. No, they just have really, really, really (laughs) lightning fast animator. (laughs) Now, before that even, right, Epic Games files the lawsuit against Apple in California, describing the company as a quote unquote monopoly power and accusing it of unfair and anti-competitive actions. The complaint alleges that Apple has become what it once ra- uh, railed against, the behemoth seeking to control markets, block competition, and stifle innovation. Then later that day, Epic Games shares a video called 1980 Fortnite, <laughs> parroting <laughs> Apple's iconic 1984 ad, where Apple's ad portrayed IBM as the evil big brother. Epic Games aims to show that Apple is now the dominant power. Epic Games has defied the App Store monopoly. In retaliation, Apple is blocking Fortnite from a billion devices. Join the fight to stop 2020 from becoming 1984. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. uh, I gotta say, I liked that. I thought it was funny as hell. I mean, it is funny. Uh, It is funny. Because I remember that old commercial. uh, And and that, that commercial is widely regarded to be like one of the greatest commercials of all time. Um, and so it was funny to see it parodied in Fortnite and like they, they even parodied it like with all the characters in black and white and then like the, the rainbow, uh, character runs in and throws her, uh, her pickaxe at the screen. I thought that was yeah. great. Yeah. It, 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 it's like Epic is when they go after these things, you know, like they seem to be cheeky about it, which I, I mean, I guess it's fine. I, I personally don't care. But my issue with it is if you're going to talk about like if you feel like your company is truly oppressed, which I think is laughable for Epic to act that way. But if you're going to act like that, like then why why like the weird, funny <laughs> jokes, like, I guess about it, like to me, you would I would feel like you'd want to take that a little more serious, you know, Um but then uh, in a blog post, Epic Games encourages Fortnite players to fight against Apple's app tax by using the hashtag free Fortnite on social platforms. In <laughs> um, an FAQ, Epic Games says that all mobile developers and consumers have the right to choose alternate payment providers that charge less, as is the norm on all other general purpose computing platforms, including web, Windows, and Mac. Epic adds that Apple even allows Amazon Prime Video to process payments directly as a special deal while holding other apps to a different standard. Now, I mean, I understand a little bit where they're coming from, where they don't want there to be like a special deal. But there's always going to be special deals. I mean, it's like, you know, like GameStop, for instance, with UPS, they pay a lot less for shipping UPS than I would because of the volume they do and because they have a special deal worked out with them. Right. So, I mean, it's let's let's get real, you know. Now, of course, on the flip side of that, though, Apple is trying to maintain this thought that the reason they aren't allowing Epic to do it is because they have to treat everyone the same. Right. Small developer, big developer. But you find out later that they had been in negotiations. In fact, Apple, before pulling the game, offered to Epic that they could continue negotiations in private 
and that they could make it maybe a special exception for them, right? Because like, hey, you guys make us billions of dollars, you know, millions of dollars a year. So if you're going to make us millions of dollars, then yes, we can, we can, we, we can come to a deal. Maybe only pay 25% because you make us so much money. And so it's possible. Um, so then, then you have Spotify siding with Epic Games. Google removes Fortnite from the Play Store, makes it go back to sideloading. Epic Games files a similar anti-competitive lawsuit against Google. And then Sweeney, the CEO of Epic Games, tweets, Today, Apple said Epic is seeking a special deal, but that's not true. We're fighting for open platforms and policy changes equally benefiting all developers, and it'll be a hell of a fight. Um, So that was all, I think that was last Thursday, the 13th, is that right? The 13th was last Thursday. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And so... Okay, that's a hell of a day. That all happened in one day last week. Uh, And then Friday, uh, Sweeney, again, the CEO of Epic, tweets, at the most basic level, we're fighting for the freedom of people who bought smartphones to install apps from sources of their choosing. The freedom from for creators of apps to distribute them as they choose and the freedom of both groups to do business directly. Um, Well, do they really want to do business directly or do they want to squeeze in as a different middleman? Let's cut Apple out of the middleman and make Epic the new middleman. Let's get real with it, right? Like it's not, you know, Epic is not doing this for the people, (laughs) for the people. (laughs) It's laughable, man. It's laughable. And as always, everyone took the weekend off because none of these rich people are working the weekend. So the 17th, so on Monday, (laughs) Epic Games reveals that it's Apple developer program account will be terminated on August 28th unless it resolves violations of the developer program license agreement, including introducing a new payment functionality that was not submitted to or reviewed by Apple's app review team. Apple says this would result in Epic Games losing access to all of Apple's software, SDKs, APIs, and developer tools. Without the access, Epic Games says it cannot develop future versions of its Unreal Engine for use with iOS or macOS. Uh, the information reports that Epic Games is seeking to form a coalition of Apple critics. And in a statement, Apple says, quote, we won't make an exception for Epic because we don't think it's right to put their business interests ahead of the guidelines that protect our customers, even though three days earlier, four days earlier, they had admitted that they were trying to do that. But that's fine. <laughs> so this is like the biggest PR battle of all time. They've just basically, they've taken any beef, any issues they've had. There's two, there's two fights they're fighting here. One is for public opinion. And two is for some sort of landmark court case to come out to basically decide who's right and who's wrong. They're like sick of just letting it out there as Apple gets to decide. They're like, you know what? We're going to take this all the way. We're going to pay so much money to already rich lawyers to make a whole bunch more money fighting this fight for us. So, John, my question to you is, who are you rooting for? Are you rooting for the billion-dollar company or the trillion-dollar company? (laughs) Like, which one's more Uh, important to you? I am rooting for the billion-dollar company. Um, I, I think that in the last few years that Epic, with Fortnite, has broken down some very interesting barriers that most people never thought would ever be broken, uh, such as crossplay, 
And they did it in such a cheeky freaking way where, like, the... You mean when the, they, when they, the accidental when they switch accidentally, flip? Yeah. yeah, they accidentally uh, activated it. And then they're like, and then they got caught, and they're like, "Oops, we accidentally turned that on." And then they turned it back off. But then people were like, "Wait, you can do that? Yeah, wait, it's like, that easy? This is yeah, possible." <laughs> and then, and then, like a month or two later, it happened again. And then people are like, "Wait, why are there Xbox players in in my game? What the hell's going on?" And then it happened like again, like the next, like later right. in the week. Like it happened very sh- uh, short span uh, like twice and then sony was like oh no we're not gonna allow that and then microsoft's like yeah we're cool with that so did nintendo and so and then we have what we have and now we have cross play across everything phone pc playstation xbox um and and it seems like it's going to continue for most games it's it's not something that that they're like oh like sony sony can't put the genie back in the bottle Correct. And be like, no, we're we we're not going to allow that because they would look terrible. And so a giant wall has been pulled down for the benefit of everyone. Um, for the longest time at GameStop, whenever anybody would come in and ask, "What console should I buy?" My answer was almost always uh, before after I was an Xbox fanboy. Um, my answer would be buy what your friends have. Yes. If if all of their friends have PlayStation and they're like, well, I'm kind of interested in Halo, but I'd really like to play online with my friends, I would say buy a PlayStation. Yeah. Um, because it's funny you said because, that because I'm the I, exact same thing. That was always the first question. Well, what do their friends have? I totally right. agree. Yep. Because because honestly, if I convince that person to buy an Xbox when all their friends have have uh, PlayStation and they and they want to play online with people, I would be doing them a disservice because eventually they would want to buy, they would end up probably trading in that Xbox and buying a PlayStation. So I would rather send them home with the right thing from the get-go. Right. Now, you don't really even need to ask that question anymore. Because, uh, like, the Call of Duty games are cross-platform. The, the Fortnite is cross-platform. Minecraft is cross-platform. So... You can play with whoever you want, and that's awesome. And Epic is directly responsible for that. And it never would have happened if Fortnite wasn't as big as it is. Sure. And didn't test test the system and poke the bear. And so as far as this this Apple thing goes, they're trying to one, yes, they are trying to get their their online store uh, potentially onto phones and and stir up business that way. But they're also ch- they've challenged Valve, um, and now they're challenging Apple and they're challenging Google to lower their licensing fees or their uh, their fees charged to app developers to publish on their their store. They, I think, they said to to Valve, because uh, people were were pissing and moaning about things being exclusive to the, the Epic Game Store, and they said we will stop making exclusive deals if Valve lowers the the amount of uh, royalties, or whatever the hell it's called, um, that they have to pay Valve from 30% down to 18%. So, 
they they said if they do that for the entire industry, we will stop chasing after exclusives. And that's that would benefit every game developer that sells games on Steam. Sure. Um, because they would they would get more money to pay off their their game that they spent years and potentially millions of dollars of developing. And I want game developers to have more money for what they made that I enjoy. Um, so I, I look at this as a positive and and challenging people like Apple and Google, like I don't think there's another company that really could get away with it. Sure. I, I, so I can't disagree with like any of that. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I guess I just, I can't get behind Epic either. Like, I guess I understand it's a PR battle they're trying to win, but I can't, I can't get behind this, like the way that they're playing like a victim, you know, or the, the, the how they talk about how they're doing this for our freedom. They're not doing this for our freedom. <laughs> they're doing it to position themselves as a company of the future to make more money inside of these ecosystems. Because now look at this too. And, and this is very like, and, and Sweeney has specifically commented on this. He does not have a problem with Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo all having closed marketplaces that they get 30% of the profits. He specifically said that because he feels like the console market's different. Like there's extra costs. I, I mean, I forget exactly what he said to justify why it's okay, but to him, it's okay that it's like that on console. So I don't know how he can make that argument that it's not okay on Apple because they consider those home computing devices and that the consoles are video game consoles. Like he's trying to make a, a distinction there, which arguably, I mean, PlayStation, you can watch YouTube, watch Twitch. There's a web browser. I mean, you could argue that it is a, a, a computing device, you know, I but, think it would be the, the stranglehold that Apple has on the cell phone market. Because there are so many customers that, like, there's a like like you said earlier, there's a billion iPhones out there, um, and that's so small. Or like Xbox sales and PlayStation sales and and Switch sales are so small in comparison to that billion possible customers. Yeah, absolutely, but but I guess that's my issue though. Is that it's not that if he do, if they don't go with Apple, they can't put the game on mobile. They just can't put the game on iOS devices. So, I mean, I don't, I just, I feel like that, that, that monopoly argument, I don't see how that holds up when like at all. Um, however, I'm with you. I actually, I have no problem. And, and I know a lot of people are, are dumping on Epic because Epic game store, cause it's not as good as steam, but they have done like what they've done by giving competition to the market helps and ultimately if even if for selfish reasons they want to get these rules changed so that they can put the epic game store and offer games through their service instead of through the ios store the app store then like i'm okay with that because competition will like ultimately the consumer wins in a competitive market and so i'm okay with yeah. that like I don't, I don't have a problem with any of this really except with how epic is framing their public relations battle and i just think it's kind of like disingenuous and it feels like they're taking the piss out of us like they think we're just like <laughs> and, and, and to be fair i guess the average consumer probably will fall for this like I, you know i'm trying not to be too negative about it but ultimately the average customer will probably fall for this and be like 
like the average Fortnite player is going to be like, man, I hate Apple. Why would Apple do this to me? You know, when, when there's obviously a lot more going on. Um, but ultimately whatever happens, as long as it benefits the consumer, I'm okay with it. And along the way, and I'm not, again, I get called like we get, I, I joke about this all the time, but people always get butt hurt and like cost bootlickers and stuff. I have no problem with companies <laughs> making money. I have no problem with companies making a lot of money. If that company offers a service that I enjoy, good, then make money off me. That's why we get to have services that, that we enjoy because companies are making money off it. Like we shouldn't be shaming companies for making money because they came up with a good idea and implemented it well. So I'm okay with that. Uh, but I am very curious to see where this goes because this will have like a lot of ramifications down the road. I also think that this might just be the beginning and they might go after the consoles next because why not? Yeah. I mean, like they're queuing it up and if they win this battle, then go to town on the systems. Who cares? Um, hmm. You know, I mean, I could see it, especially Microsoft with all of their blurring the lines between the PC experience and the console experience. You just have one game pass. You know what I mean? Like, like they're going to be able to argue that, well, the Xbox marketplace on PC, yeah, it's for consoles, but we should be able to have the Epic Game Store because it's on PC, be on consoles or something like it's going to it's going to muddy the waters anyway. And so this is this is like the spark of a very big deal down the road. And unfortunately, we won't know for years and years until all this stuff gets settled. Um, but it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. And then I do agree a little bit, though, with Epic and what their like their their public relations fight against Apple in the thought that like Apple used to be the little guy, right? The little guy that was fighting against these the juggernauts and found their niche. They through a ton of creativity and creative devices were able to get a huge following. Whether you like it or not, I don't care if you don't like iPhones. I don't care if you don't like iPods. There's a better. I don't care if you're still rocking the Zoom. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just saying that they they did it. You can't deny that Apple created some incredible products that created a huge following. And now they're like, they were the first, what was the news today? They were the first company ever to, to break like the, was it $2 billion? Two, two, two trillion. trillion. Two trillion. Yeah. yeah. Excuse me. Two trillion. So like, you know, <laughs> they, they obviously, but now they are using what they have in their arsenal to, and I'm not saying in this case necessarily, but they're using everything in their arsenal to stay on top, I guess, you know? And so, yeah, there's, I always have an issue with that. Like I have an issue with a company that's founded on its creativity and its fight and, and fighting for the little guy. And then they become the big guy and then they do what the big companies were doing to them back in the day. And, you know, so, but whatever, um, you know, I think you're right about wanting to get their game store on consoles at some point because like, and, and honestly, if if we go all digital, I don't want one place to buy my games. Like the the fact that there is competition out there leads to game sales at different retailers. And once we're in an all digital future, you're going to have one place to get all of your games for that set console potentially. Yes. And so, like if uh, I, I actually uh, Wario sixty four posted today. So there's a digital sale for PlayStation going on right now. And it said that, uh, um, uh, what the hell is that? Um, 
was that Shinji Makima game that came out uh, after uh, Resident Evil that that uh, like Silent Hill? Sh- oh, uh, Evil wait. Within. Evil Within. Okay. Evil yep, Within. Yep. So Evil Within Two was on sale for fifty percent off, and it was twenty nine ninety nine <laughs> on the PlayStation Store. <laughs> and I've seen that game brand new physically on disc for nine ninety nine. Yep. Tons of places for like a year now. Yep. But short of this sale like 50 weeks out of the year on PlayStation that game is still $60 and that is why I don't like the all digital future that some people want to rush to and so if if Epic does like want their store on a PlayStation 5 on an Xbox Series X that could be good for the digital future because then you might have one store playing off another store to offer sales, uh, which sure. we won't have if there's only one place. So, well, yeah, and it's it's funny you said that because, and this was more like this is the same idea, but this was through GameStop. Uh, I remember a few years ago, I put a Reddit post up, and I think the post was like my fears of an all digital future, right? It was supposed to be like an edgy post. Okay. And it was, if you looked at call of duty, black ops for PS three at GameStop, it was used for four ninety nine, or you could buy it digital new for fifty nine ninety nine. That was the price they still had for black ops because they were never given the discount from Activision to be able to update their system to sell it cheaper. That's just how, you know, it's just how it was. Um, yeah. So, and I remember what's also weird, though, too, is I remember a few years ago, this is probably five years ago now, GameStop was selling a bunch of the digital PSP game codes really cheap. And I bought a bunch of them, especially the ones that were, like, Vita compatible. I got them for, like, a buck, okay. like a buck, buck fifty a piece for all these digital games uh, on PSP, like, full PSP games. But I agree. Like, if we're going to go all digital... And, and the problem is that it's up to the developers and publishers. So, you know, we, Capcom and Konami are always doing sales all the time. Like, I saw Konami again today has the Symphony of the Night Rondo of Blood collection for, like, 6 bucks on the PlayStation Store. That's, like, the best $6 you can spend, in my opinion, for two of the best games of all time. But they're choosing to put it on sale. You know, yeah. if, if there's a company out there who doesn't, who maybe forgets about a game because they, it's an annual franchise like call of duty so two call of duties ago they're not going to mark that on sale probably right because they've forgotten about it but you and your friends just really feel like living nostalgic one weekend and you really want to play call of duty infinite warfare and you're like oh man it's 60 bucks (laughs) like because they never lowered the price i'll just go to my used local used game store get it for five bucks well you can do that now you won't be able to do that in the all digital future. So I'm with you. And this could be a good thing. Ultimately them getting their, their own stores into these ecosystems is a good thing, but it also opens up like, imagine this, right? That opens up. Could GOG open up their store on consoles? Could you know what I mean? Like, like not that GOG has a ton of games on console as opposed to like the CD project stuff, but it's certainly possible. And, and, and so like, if you had a bunch of marketplaces on console, it would get really interesting really fast. But then here's what I think would happen. And this is what I think is the negative. Then you start getting exclusive deals again, because then how do you stand out? There's five marketplaces out there. So how do you stand out? Well, you got to do something. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to pay this developer 
10 times as much as he would make selling the game on all the other stores combined so that I could have his game, his or her game. You know, and then all of a sudden we're going to have, we're going to go through this again, which ultimately is like, is, is like that. I don't see any other way that stores stand out without doing a ton of sales. But then if they do a bunch of sales, if they're like, it's going to basically be exactly how it is on PC right now. Is that you're going to have one store is really dominant, which would probably be the Sony sponsored store. And then you'll have all these other stores that come up and offer the same sort of deal. But then you'll have the Epic game store will be like, well, Hey, that new, you know, that new game from the developer of fall guys is only coming to the Epic store on PlayStation. You know what I mean? It's just, the idea is kind of like, I think that when you talk about slippery slopes, I think that is a very realistic possibility. Um, but ultimately I think it would be a good thing for the whole industry consoles especially to have some competition in the store yeah and and like i'm only worried about this from a digital only perspective like i don't want this to happen until that digital future is here right yeah but they have to lay the groundwork now if they're going to do it in the future yep uh well what do you think john anything else to say about epic versus apple uh well the the only thing I really had to say was like if you would go back like six seven years ago and say that that weird ass Fortnite game that is taking forever <laughs> to come out <laughs> would change the entire industry it, like I never would have believed you because it's like oh that weird like. Like, I think they were developing this around the same time as, like, Gears of War 2. Yeah. And and talking about it, and it was like, what? Like, why? Gears is obviously the big thing. What the hell are they wasting their time on this this Fortnite idea for? Um, oh. and, and a lot of <laughs> I, people... I just, oh. No, yeah, go ahead, sorry. I was just... I just remember, like, that being the game where, like, you set up, like, fences to, like... Like, it sounded like a tower defense game. It uh, was third person. Yeah. So it was, yeah. So I first bought it when it was Fortnite, like save the world. And I paid yep. 20 bucks for the early access because back then I paid to play games early. Cause I'm, I'm an idiot. And it was, it was like a tower defense, a co-op tower defense. You set up walls and it was really neat. It was fine. It was mediocre, but it was fine. Um, and so then the game's doing okay. And they decide to make a Battle Royale version because BR is real hot. PUBG exploding, um, you know, in popularity at that point. I want to say PUBG came out like that March. And I want to say Fortnite dropped in the summer of that year. I forget what. It must have been 2015, maybe 16. I forget what year. Yeah. And, uh, and and so, like, the BR comes out. It's totally free. It's meant to be just some add-on BS mode. Who cares? And that's all Fortnite is now. Like they even, they dropped the yep. save the world. Like you still have to pay for that for crying out loud. Like they can't even give that yeah, to us never, for free. They never made it free, and they they said they were going to make it free at some point once it was out of beta, and then they just totally scrapped that idea yeah. altogether because they're not going to update it. They're like like why we're not putting <laughs> we're not putting any resources into this pile when Fortnite literally just is just making us so much money we don't know what to do with it. Um, but, but it is, it was interesting back then. I mean, just, and and I agree as much as I'm not a Fortnite fan, you can't deny what it's done for the industry. Um, what is, or what's done to the industry, however you want to look at it. 
but it introduced a bunch of people who weren't playing games to games. And that's always a good thing. Like more people playing video games is always a good thing for the industry. Um, however, if you want to give Epic credit for all the good things they've done, John, you have to give Epic credit for them bringing Ninja into our lives. So. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> I've never watched Ninja stream, but just looking at him versus Dr. Disrespect. If I were, if I were just to pick one of the two to watch based, based on, on looks, what they look like, I would pick Ninja every damn day of the week. <laughs> because Ninja does not look like... like Dr. Disrespect looks like nails on a chalkboard to me. Yeah, nice. I don't think I've ever seen anyone who looks like nails on a chalkboard, but I get what you mean. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's the difference between someone playing and, like... How do I say this? Like, Ninja, when he plays, isn't who he is in real life either. It's all an act. Everybody who streams on that level... It's an act, but like Dr. Disrespect is deliberately an over the top, more so an act as yeah. ninjas kind of like, Hey, this is me, but it's not really, you know, uh, yeah, like, like at least Dr. Like, Disrespect like, doesn't pretend that he's being himself. <laughs> like he's just, you know, like, the, like guy is his name. So guy just basically is like, nah, I'm just make a character and just screw off all day. Is, is ninja like, does he do like, anything super goofy or is you just play the game because i mean like i know some people will like do voices and stuff like there there was this i forget there was one streamer where somebody sent me a video of the guy and i was like oh my god his voice is so irritating it's driving me insane how can anybody watch this and then i clicked back like to a video from like a year prior and he didn't have that dumb voice and it's like, wait, he's choosing yeah. to talk like this? Why? Yeah, that sounds a lot like PewDiePie, honestly. Like, in the early days, like, he was purposefully, like, making these weird noises, these stupid things, because that's what little kids were watching. Like, his audience was, like, 10 to 13-year-olds, um, as opposed to, like, a Ninja, I don't, I don't really watch him. I've only watched him in his later years. All these YouTubers also go through, and Twitch streamers go through this weird evolution too. They usually start off as like a wacky zany character and then they evolve into like, Hey, I'm just a regular person. And then they hope that people stick around, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it, you know, that, that's what you have to do. You have to take them. You have to take them in together. Oh, um, but yeah, the, the, the whole Epic Fortnite thing is kind of insane. And I'm, I'm definitely interested in seeing where the hell else it's going to go. Cause they've, they've played, uh, they've had concerts inside Fortnite. They've they've played movies inside of Fortnite. So it's it's just weird and interesting. It is. It's weird and interesting, but also I find it so odd that a game like outgrows its medium. I guess right now, few games do that. Like I would argue, Super Mario Brothers didn't even really do that. Like, yeah, we got that terrible movie, you know. <laughs> but ultimately, that game. Was like Mario Brothers arguably is like the biggest, most recognizable name in video games, and even that didn't do what Minecraft did. You know, Minecraft. Now you could argue it probably came down to the marketing of that. Like once Microsoft got its hands on it, like Mojang was like, like it grew them into a marketing powerhouse. With the power of marketing behind it, it it evolved as to where you could argue that Nintendo wasn't really trying to do that. As much yeah. as they could have been, which obviously now they have Super Mario, like the Universal Studios or Universal Mario Worlds coming, and they do have an animated Mario Brothers like show or movie in the works. Like they are working on that stuff. 
Um, hopefully not another live action one. But yeah, like <laughs> Minecraft did that. Fortnite has has broken those boundaries. And, and so it's interesting to watch, especially when I just could not care less about Fortnite. I just I played the game when it first came out and I thought it was fine. I thought it was a fine BR. It was kind of like an easier BR than most. Like I was used to playing realistic PUBG and I'm like, well, yeah, Fortnite's fun. Cause you just kind of dink around, you know, and like you get wins without <laughs> even really trying. Um, and then I was playing PUBG and I'm like, I can't win it all in this game. It's so freaking hard. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to watch games transcend their own medium. I think it's, I think it's, yeah. it's cool and weird at the same time especially for a hobby like ours that isn't that old and that it's still weird to see it be a mainstream thing anyway. So, uh, with that being said, though, that's our new story for the day. Uh, we have our pickup piles of the week and we have our games of the week. So, John, what did you bring with you today as your game of the week? Are you really just going to grab one again today? No, no, I was grabbing, <laughs> I was grabbing my pickup pile. Grab some Benadryl, dude. I should. <laughs> no, Benadryl, Benadryl would just put me to sleep. Oh, no. All right, so my game of the week is Dark Souls 2. Ooh, now weren't you just giving me a hard time about picking the stinker out of a series as my game of the uh, week? See, that's part of the reason why I picked this one, because I feel like it's not... It doesn't get the respect it deserves. I actually agree with you 100%. I don't think the game's a stinker at all. I think arguably it's the worst Souls game, but it's still better than most games I play. I I would say my least favorite Dark Souls game is the first one. Actually. Oh my god, don't say that. You're um, not allowed to be a co-host on this podcast if you say that. I, <laughs> I was just kidding. I like... <laughs> Yeah, I know. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you got all serious there for a minute. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> no, I, I like that the co-op in Dark Souls 2 and uh, and 3 is a little bit easier to kind of get get your your mind around. Sure. Um, I like a lot of the boss encounters. I felt like... I felt like they did a better job of putting in little snippets of the story whereas like in dark souls one i had no idea what the hell was going on um whereas in two i feel like i there were connections to from one character to the next that i felt like i kind of got an idea of what what the world was and I would and agree. I liked it a lot. I would agree. The story was a little more like straightforward, and they talk about like the old king, you know, fighting the giants, and then he stole something from them, and then the giants attacked back again. Yeah, like they did a little better with that, especially with the flashbacks when you go into there. Yeah, yeah. I well, and, uh, like I find the Dark Souls series to be fascinating in general, and I like I feel like the fact that they never really laid out exactly what the hell is going on it really lead, leaves it up to the interpretation of whoever's playing it. Yes, agreed, so, yep. I like that a lot, and I specifically grabbed this version of the game over Scholar of the First Sin, because I actually don't like the Scholar of the First Sin changes that they made for the most part. Um, sure. The remix enemy encounters, uh, 
I thought like there are certain characters that I liked where they were. Um, like the Hyde Knight uh, laying against the tree in Dark Souls 2. Um, I liked that he was there. So when he, when I played Scholar of the First Sin on Xbox One and he wasn't there anymore, that it was disappointing. It made more sense that he would be in Hyde's Tower of Flame. But I liked having, like, it was cool coming across that knight and having him not attack you unless you attacked him. Yeah. And, yep. and like, you had, like, the there were so many uh, petrified enemies that you needed to use uh, the fragrant branch of Yoron and whatnot. And, like, some of the big, the huge um, guys that, like, eat their head, eat your head, the Cyclops dudes. Mm-hmm. Like, they were everywhere in the, in the revision. So, like, I almost wish they would do a remaster of, of the original two. <laughs> yeah. Over, over the, um, the scholar of the first sin edition. Like if, if they just gave me like a quick and dirty remaster of two on Xbox one or PS4, or there were the next gen consoles, I would buy it again and play it again. And I played this whole game through with uh, my friend, Kevin. And when I first started playing dark souls two with Kevin, so I start a new character, he started a new character, and it takes about 20 minutes before you get the the white sign soapstone, so that way you can summon. Yep, yep. And so I'm I'm basically about three or four minutes ahead of him the whole time. Like, we're just talking through Xbox Live, and he's telling me what he's coming across, and I'm like, all right, do this. And I'm I'm trying to get the, the item so I can summon... <laughs> And, uh, like, 15 minutes in, he's like, F this game. I've done. I, I, I hate it. I hate it. And, and so, like, he ejects his disc, and he's on the he's on the Xbox dashboard, and we're still playing, or we're still talking to each other, but he is like, I am done. Um, which I actually, I mailed him my first copy of the game. So, it's like, <laughs> like no, you were going to play this more, because I spent money on it. Um, so I got the soapstone, and I was like, all right, hey. Come back in, uh, go to the go to the center forest bonfire, and look for my name. And so he he was like, "All right, fine, fine." So he turns it back on. He goes to that bonfire. He sees my name on the ground. Summons me into the game, and we proceed to like just slaughter seven bosses that night. Nice. And he's like, "All right, I will play this game, but never without you." <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So yeah, yeah. I I yeah. That's great. So yeah, we played we played this whole game, and then uh, for the 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 memories uh, that you have to do, where you cannot do uh, co op. Correct. And then the bell tower, which is uh, impossible recovered, to summon. <laughs> I recovered his game save on my Xbox, and I played through those segments for him, and then I gave him back. <laughs> I uploaded the save back on the cloud, and then I gave him back his gamer tag, and we moved on. That's incredible. <laughs> Actually, the funny thing is, after we beat the game, he watched a YouTube video of like the the top ten coolest bosses in Dark Souls, and he's like, "Oh, there was one that looked really freaking cool, and I don't remember seeing it." And he's like, "I want to do that boss fight," and it was the Dark Lurker fight which you only get by doing those three memories and then it shows up at the last in the last memory and you have to fight it and i was like 
you'll never see that one because that's the <laughs> one area where you cannot play two player and you make me go through that yes. for you. Although to be fair, he should now, like after he plays through that game, he should be more confident on his own. Yeah. That's that is a game what I love about the souls. So I had a game picked out as my game of the week. I'm throwing that in the trash. We're talking we're gushing Dark Souls for game of the week now. So I have no problem <laughs> doing it with Dark Souls 2, although I I do want to share with you in a minute why I love Dark Souls 1 more. But I'll get to that. Um this is a dark, so my game of the week is Dark Souls as well. Let's okay. talk hell, let's do this. <laughs> um so what I love about Dark Souls 2 is that you only get better at the game when you get better. The game doesn't hold your hand. And yeah, like you hear about the, oh, it's really hard. It's like the hardest game ever. Like that's not really it. It's difficult. And it doesn't care if you don't beat it. The game doesn't give a shit. The game's just like, well, <laughs> here we are. Play us if you want. If you don't, then you're, then you're, you're, you're screw you. And and so you'll, you'll throw yourself against the wall a thousand times and you're beating your head against the wall trying to finish this boss and you can't do it until you learn until you get better at the game you can't do it then one time you do it and not only are you elated to a massive degree because you've been working so hard to achieve this which you have now just achieved it didn't let you pass until you got better and so i love that game for that i just love that it's one of those games that it it will you will not beat it if you don't get better and, and so you yeah. you watch yourself like get better at the game and it's not even always about memorizing patterns it's just like i mean it is because all boss fights are patterns but it's like you start to learn like what your limitations are how many times can you swing like i always talk about this when i'm fighting a boss i have to make sure i don't get greedy i can take two swings don't take that third swing. You might get the damage, but he's going to get you. And he's going to clip you. And if he hits you the right way, you're going to get knocked down and he's going to hit you again. You're going to be dead. So don't do it. Um, and so I love the Souls games for that, which by the way, man, we should be talking. We should have been talking Souls games for years. I don't know why. It's like, I feel like this is the first time we've ever <laughs> talked Dark Souls together, which is crazy. Um, maybe you and I could go through Demon Souls. Hmm? I... Hmm. That I would like. Uh, I want to go through it before the remake so I can appreciate the remake more. I mean, I've already beaten it, but I won't. Can we still play Demon's Souls? You can. You have to change your DNS server settings. There's actually a Discord okay. set up. Uh, there's someone running a private server, and so you basically can go on there and organize times with other people. We're obviously not going to do that. But, yes, I would love to play Demon's Souls, so we should do that sometime. Um, but here's why I love Dark Souls 1 more than Dark Souls 2. And I like Dark Souls 2 a lot. I love that they crammed a million boss fights into that game and they're all like pretty easy tank and spank. Like you just lock on and just rotate around the enemy's butt and then just chop him a couple times, dodge an attack, chop his butt a couple times and eventually you win. Uh, but Dark Souls 1 to me is a clinic on how to create an interconnected world. The way they did their level design with Firelink Shrine being like almost literally the center of the game so spiritually story-wise it's the center and almost physically it's the center you have like and it used the system that is it's not new it's the resident evil system of unlocking a door from the other side so you have a bunch of shortcuts you unlock so as you progress through the game you unlock shortcuts but it's not just unlocking shortcuts it's unlocking paths 
directly back to Firelink Shrine, which for anyone who's never played Dark Souls 1 is basically like your hub town. So it's where like it's it's your safe haven. It's the one place in the game you're safe. And so like everything leads back there. It's brilliant. I mean, even when you go all the way through the undead burg and you get to the 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 gargoyle tower, there's an elevator in the chapel that'll take you all the way back down to Firelink. You know, and then and then there's like if you go underneath Firelink, you take the staircase down. Eventually you get down to I forget the name of the city, it's submerged in water. And you get I down, hate that area. I absolutely hate that area too. So you get down there <laughs> And, and here was the thing. They didn't give you the ability to teleport or fast travel in that game until a good portion through the game. In Dark Souls 2 and in Dark Souls 3, which I I love 3 more than 2 also, but 3 did the, did the cardinal sin of 2, in my opinion. It's a convenience thing, which Dark Souls 1 doesn't do anything for the player convenience. It does zero for player <laughs> convenience. Dark Souls 2, immediately from the onset of the game, you can teleport from any bonfire to any bonfire you've been at. So as soon as you get further in the game, you can instantly teleport back to the place to level up, instantly teleport back to where you were, and continue on your story. In Dark Souls 1, you're unlocking shortcuts because you need to hoof it. You need to run through everything to get back. Again, not convenient. Like, from a player's perspective, I'm like, that's really annoying. But there's something about that that made them design the world around that as opposed to two and three in my opinion they designed the world around the teleportation mechanic like there's literally a part in two i think it's two where you get to the end of it you get to the end of an area and then you're the idea is that you're just going to teleport out from the bonfire back to, to like yeah. another area and i was thinking That's like after you that fight sucks. that uh that enemy it's um, like the bodies right the, i was thinking the the chick where you have to you have to light those two uh, oil lanterns so that way you can actually see the boss. And then after you uh, yes. after you fight her, you just go into a big square room and you you warp back out. That's right. Um, yep, yep. But they did. That was also where they added the DLC uh, like area that you you go to, and then you that brings you to the DLC. So I kind of wonder if they purposely stuck the DLC there on purpose to give you to make that room matter. I could see that, sure, sure. But yes, yeah, so that's that's my game of the week. I'll, I'll gush over Dark Souls one and two, I, and I love two a lot. Actually, I think that game gets really unfair criticism, and and I I get it because it was kind of the FromSoft like B team. And, uh, and it started off, if I, if, if I remember correctly, I think it started off as like a different game and then they turned it into dark hmm. souls too. And then the main team started working on dark souls. And they, like, I don't, I forget how it goes, but like, arguably though, that game is fun. And I think it's really unfair that people give that game a hard time. And like I said, yeah, you could argue that some of the bosses aren't very creative and like you, you just really run around them and slap them in the ass, you know, like, and, and, <laughs> and that is true. It's not wrong, but you know what? It's kind of fun in a game like that to beat a boss's ass, you know? And, yeah. and there is some cool stuff like, like the, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's two links up with like that. There's like that pirate ship. So there's like, yes. a, there's like an area and you go, you can come from that from two different ways. Like you can come down yep. and then you can come down like through a, like, it's really cool. Now, the only issue I had with dark souls two was in the beginning, there's like five different ways to go. 
there's a lot of really cool stuff, you know, and there's like a, like really initially there's one way to go, but once the game opens up, like you can go down the well, you can go to Hyde's Tower of Flame, you can go, like there's places to go. But then eventually the end of that game just tunnels you into one path from like say S to Z, you know, like you went A to S, you could go in your own way and then it was S to Z was just, you have to go a, B, C, D, E, F, G. And so that sucked. Um, but the game was still great. You know, it's still awesome. Man, that game is I, fantastic. I have a couple questions for you. Uh, what's what's the most memorable boss battle to you in any of the Dark Souls games? Oh, man. I mean... Like, what, what immediately... Like, when you think boss battle in Dark Souls, what comes to mind? I mean, I hate to sound so, like... There's two of them, I'll say. I hate to sound so cliche, but the first one's probably Sif. I mean, like, you just fight this okay. gigantic wolf who's got his dead master's sword in his mouth, and he's defending his grave. You know, like, just amazing. But also, I think this was in Dark Souls 2, or is it 3? It might be 3. There's a boss where you, like, he's this huge skeleton king, and he's, like, crawling up the mountain at you. Oh, okay, with the... With the bangles, yeah, he's yeah, he's got like the like like yep. rings on his face. He's like he's like like he's huge, and he's like all you see is like his front half, and he's like crawling up a hill almost at you, and you have to like chop him and then beat his ass. Um, both both of those, so I always confused. really remember that one. I was so confused by that because I kept dying because like if if you get to like a you have to stay the hell away from him because otherwise you get poisoned. Yeah, and I would just keep dying randomly and be like, "What is going on?" <laughs> so the the first boss that that comes to mind immediately is um, that I think it's in Dark Souls 2 or it might be in the first game but um, that like sewer you're like down in the sewers and there's like this giant alligator looking thing and it's like oh that thing is gigantic and then all of a sudden it rears up on its hind legs and its entire like underbelly is just a giant terrifying mouth so that is and that, that is the gaping dragon and i was actually okay. just gonna say that too i was like oh that reminds me of the gaping dragons down there because at first we started saying <sighs> alligator one? uh yeah that's dark souls one yep, yep. okay just yeah, an awesome boss thing, yeah that would be an example of something that i do not want my daughter to see <laughs> for several years because i do think that we would be paying for therapy bills yeah, uh, and just being like, yeah, it's the it's the the, the alligator with the mouth body. Uh, <laughs> it's oh, chasing Lord. me in my dream. Oh, oh um, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't play a lot of Dark Souls around Lyra. Um, Probably good. Idea. But yeah, that one's that one comes to mind right away. And then, like, for a common enemy that was like the bane of my early existence in the Dark Souls game, uh, was the knights, the black knights with the red eyes. Yes. That that show up and just destroy you. <laughs> yeah, in the early game, they're just unbeatable. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I, I remember just Googling, being like, Night with the Red Eyes, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. In Undead Berg, you run into one, and if you if you kill him, he has a chance to drop, like, the, the uh, Black Knight Halberd, which is, like, my okay. favorite weapon in that game, or one of my favorite weapons in that game. And so, like, I always go have to go and try to kill him in the early game, be like, please drop that weapon to help me out. Please. <laughs> um, but the uh, yeah, in the in Dark Souls one, I was a big fan of the halberd, 
and uh and it was really good weapon i liked how i how it worked and then in two they changed the attack animations for halberd and i'm like this sucks ass so then i had to find a whole new weapon to play as and then in three they brought the halberd back dude and so then in dark souls (laughs) three i i actually pvp'd with it a lot um I, i i pvp'd a lot in that game which i don't normally wouldn't i mean it's just a stupid <laughs> like it, it's not a game that you should be proud of pvping a lot in my opinion uh but i had a lot of fun with it it was great my no the the reason why dark souls one is not my favorite is the two areas so i mentioned the the sunken city uh with like those weird specter things that you cannot kill Unless you have that, uh, Unless you that curse like, yourself. curse thing. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to curse yourself. Yes. Otherwise, you cannot attack them. Um, and there are hundreds of them. And they float through walls. So that sucks. Um, so I hate that area. And then I really hate the, um, the, the place with ceaseless discharge. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean, yep. The, and what, the, like, what do they call that place? But I know the what you first mean. time yeah. I played it, I was able to get through it, but like upon uh, repeat playthroughs, like I was, I'm uh, playing the, I'm not playing the remaster now, but when I fired up the remaster and I tried to get through it, I could not get through that damn area. Those, um, those big like tourist demon things yeah. that are everywhere down there just kick my butt, and they just respawn endlessly. And uh, that's actually one of the things I really like about Dark Souls 2. So I cheesed my way through Dark Souls 2 because if you kill the same enemy like 10 times in a row, it will stop spawning there. Correct. Yep. And so... That was their way to prevent farming. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, it helped me get through the damn game. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, So until I got better at the game, like that was a great thing to be like, all right. I'll just kill this dickhead over and over and over again until he's not there anymore. So that way I can actually get to the boss and keep throwing my corpse at the boss until I can get past it. Um, and that doesn't work in Dark Souls 1. <laughs> no, not particularly well. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I, I, could gush, I, I could gush about Dark Souls all day, but we don't have all day, John. Uh, so no, it, is time for our, it is time for our pickup piles of the week. What did you get... As your pickup pile of the week since last Wednesday, what'd you get? All right. Uh, so I got I got Snack World for Switch, uh, which is I didn't know that that was an anime. I just assumed it was a goofy ass game that Nintendo huh. came out with, but uh, no there's clue. actually a cartoon, um, which is going to start airing in the U.S. Uh, and there were like after I started googling it, I noticed that there were like people bitching about that game being censored in the u.s that's like dude shut up uh, <laughs> whatever who cares like i i i've been gaming since they just didn't give us games at all in the u.s exactly so, <laughs> so i'll take a lightly censored game where they put a put a dress on a character and instead of having her wear a bikini top any day of the yeah. week over not getting it at all exactly thank you i mean i, yeah. I don't love it but we do what we can with what we got Right. Um, so I got Snack World. Uh, I got Trials Rising for Xbox. Uh, ATV Drift and Tricks for Xbox. <laughs> that looks so stupid, dude. 
Uh, it's VR on PlayStation. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I picked up One Piece World Seeker and The Council. Uh, these are all Xbox games. Uh, and then my last game of the week, or game that I picked up, is Player Unknown Battlegrounds, ironically, that ah. you were talking about earlier. Um, <laughs> sure. So Hopefully you didn't pay World too much Seeker, for that. No, this was uh, 7 bucks. Trials was 10 bucks, And then the, uh, the ATV, One Piece, and the Council were all uh, buy, buy two, get one free at GameStop. So I paid like 20 bucks total. <laughs> Nice, so. not too shabby. Yeah, and then I just had uh, I had Best Buy match Amazon Snack World price. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> make them pay. Yeah. Um, uh, what have you got for us this week? All right. So first up, it was a, it was a limited run day today, so I got a box of limited run games in. Damn it! Now I'm jealous. So finally, I got a few things I've been waiting quite a while for. Uh, the first one is the Sega CD reprint of Secret of Monkey Island. So I got that, okay. and they put it in their own Sega CD case, which is nice. The only thing, instead of Sega CD, it says Limited Run on the blue spine. Um, now, normally, I'm not going to get in the habit of buying their Sega CD games, except that Secret of Monkey Island never came in a jewel case. It only yes. came in a cardboard box, and that cardboard box, 90% of the time, is trashed. So I'm going to take this version of Monkey Island, uh, and I'll enjoy that on Sega CD. Even though I also ordered that for the exact same reason. Nice. Uh, because of the the other game, the regular version of the game coming in that garbage box. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so they got to do Final Fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Well, I like my copy of Final Fight being really rare, and I actually have that in a nice box, but I, 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 I'm with you. I'm with you. It would still be rare. Um, you know that. I got my copy of Super Epic for PS4. So this is just how the game describes itself. Oh. So you're you're familiar with the game then? Yes, I uh, I also ordered that, um, nice. but I'm waiting on it. Here's the here's the here's the back of the box. Join a heroic raccoon and valiant llama to take down the evil Regnant Corp in this action-packed, chuckle-filled Metroidvania. They put the word on the box, John. Metroid. What in the it. hell? What the effing <laughs> a? What the F and A is this? It worked because it made me buy the game. So that's fine. And now, from a marketing perspective, like, journalists, I get it. If I'm talking to a customer and I say, hey, do you like Metroidvanias? Here you go. This is the people that made the game. Why are the people that made the game can't do a better job explaining their game? I, I It just it freaking kills me, man. I just, I, Raccoonvania? Yeah. <laughs> just, like... You're, you don't even know what your game is, so you just call it a Metroidvania. Like, I, it just, ugh, ugh. I'll never be a game marketer, probably, because people will be like, oh, we want to pitch this game to the Metroidvania crowd and be like, shut up, shut up. <laughs> um, <laughs> so then my last limited run game, I got my boxed copy of Jay and Silent Bob Mall Brawl. And if your friend Kevin's okay. listening, no, it did not come with expired movie meat or whatever <laughs> whatever the dude's pissed off about i uh, it's just i didn't he doesn't, he doesn't listen to this garbage oh that's too bad that's a shame <laughs> he should listen because he likes me and he likes you so tell him about it man he'll listen and, and he listens oh I've, I've mentioned that he listens to podcasts it's oh not ours. It's just fine. not ours hey, it know, is what it is fair I, enough. I mention him like every other week on this too yeah 
Well, maybe it's good he, he doesn't be, listen. <laughs> he may be bitter because I haven't I haven't actually talked to him on Xbox or PlayStation in like a year because I've been busy as hell. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you should do that, John. Uh, for Sega Genesis, I picked up a game called Sword of Vermilion. It is a pretty nice, pretty crap RPG, but it came with the hint book, which like doesn't fit inside the case. So I don't. I think it was shrink wrapped <laughs> to the box maybe when it came out. Uh, I got a copy. This actually I'm pretty excited about. I got Pandora's Tower for the Wii. Finally, I'd been waiting for that to come through. Okay. And I, it's funny this came in because I just sold my collector's edition at the store because it was sealed. And I don't, one, I don't like collector's editions anymore, and two, I don't like sealed games anymore, but I we got in a loose copy of Tales of Symphonia Chronicles for PS3. And I'm really thinking okay. about playing Tales of Symphonia again, and Jenny played it on the GameCube separately from me, and I think it'd be really fun to play it together. So I'm going to try to work that in one of these days. Now this, the last thing I have today, this is so cool, and if I had known if this... If you're showing it to me, I, I can't see I'm it. showing Just it to you kidding. knowing you can't see it. Um... <laughs> So, this was brought into the store by a guy who has very similar taste to me. In fact, he's bought a lot of my weird Dark Souls collectors and statues that I brought into the store. Okay. And and so, I gushed about this game before, but the game Blasphemous, fantastic Castlevania slash Metroid type game uh, with a spackle spackle of Dark Souls. Um, However... Would you call it a Soulsvania? Uh... (laughs) I, I actually don't hate that term as much as I hate Metro Metroidvania, but Soulsvania is is freaking obnoxious too. Um, so if you kickstarted the game, you could pay extra money for a physical art book. Okay. That art book was beautiful and it was only available through Kickstarter. Then, in order to anger his Kickstarters, his star, his kick kickers. <laughs> His kickbackers, his backers. In order to kick his backers. In order to kick his backers when they were down, he later they later opened up pre-orders for the art book. The same okay. exact art book you could only get through the Kickstarter as a Kickstarter exclusive award was later sold separately. In fact, hmm. not and not did it not have anything less in it, it came with something more. And I can't show this on YouTube, but it's a beautiful picture. Of a, of someone being st- a woman with pretty nice breasts, I would say, being stabbed by like six swords, and uh, <laughs> it's 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 pretty wild. So not only did they reprint this book from the Kickstarter, making the kick the the backers upset, they included something extra if you bought it outside the Kickstarter. <laughs> However, How very nice of them. So this book, now that I'm done like ripping on the the terrible Kickstarter that these guys did. This art book is amazing. So it has the concept art that that led to the inevitable. Because what they did was they did all the concept art, or they had someone do the concept art, and then later they chose the art style and then chose a pixel artist to bring that concept art to life. Now, okay. if you've played Blasphemous, it's very similar to Dark Souls in the way that it tells its story, which is not really at all. There's like a weird background story. It's kind of hidden. You don't really know what's going on. You don't really understand the world that you're living in. Um, so this art book though fills in tons of the gaps. So it'll have like a boss. It'll explain like like did you play Blasphemous? Uh, a bit, and I found it to be actually kind of gross. Yeah. Oh god! Like the very first thing you do when you kill the first boss, you fill your little like cone head 
helmet full of blood and then you just put it on and then put it on yeah <laughs> like this, it's like, so what it's hilarious on? like i laughed at that i was like i know this is supposed to be a really cool moment and i think this is just hilarious that he f- put on his blood hat um it's, it's like a, it's like a metal uh cover come to life yeah so like like, an album. one of the enemies later in the game is like a kind of brutish guy that's got a bell that he's like inside of and they ram you almost they're like a big brute enemy it's really they're actually quite obnoxious so they're called esquilon and so it'll say something like this shy corpulent entity uses a huge broken bell as if it were a turtle shell this is one of the most outlandish alternative uses for bells and blasphemous a crucial and indispensable element in every church then they have a quote from the concept artist juan miguel lopez and he goes through and says, we tried a multitude of approaches to the design of this character. So they not only do they tell the story of the character, they talk about the story of the design of the character from the concept artist. I mean, this is this book is fantastic. And it's got like all the That's bosses, cool. tons of the enemies. So this book on eBay right now, it retails like it sells used for about between 100 and 150 bucks. And then Damn. it's like $50 shipping from Spain is usually the only place you can find <laughs> it. So it came through the store and I was talking to the guy, um, John about it. And he's like, yeah, I'll get rid of this. And I'm like, well, I'm going to buy it. (laughs) So I gave him a little bit extra because (laughs) I knew it was coming home with me. (laughs) So, um, but that's all I had in my pile for today. And that's all we have for this week. So thank you everybody for always, as always for listening and, and watching. If you're on YouTube, um, you can follow us on twitter i'm at game trade greg john is at dryer combo you can subscribe to us on youtube that's just youtube.com slash drop rate and you can follow us on twitch twitch.tv slash the drop rate say goodbye john later and we'll talk to you next time have a good week bye-bye